Our God reigns, amen? amen? Man, let me tell you, just everyone's voices and the unity and singing his praises and singing worship to our God today is just, is just absolutely amazing. You know that there's strength in unity. And I believe that there is a lot of unity going on at Word of Grace. I believe it. I believe there is. I, I, I'm so excited. I, I can't even begin to tell you all of the things that have been going on uh, behind the scenes that you may not even realize. I uh, Just to give you just a few quick updates, things from my heart. Our staff uh, has, you know, we have a weekly staff meeting and, and we were just throwing around all the things that were on our heart the other day and we were talking about all of the things going on in our church and there was just such an enthusiasm and in that meeting and then uh, uh, I've, I've been meeting with individuals uh, throughout the week and talking to them and I just can't stop talking about the great things that God is doing in our church and that he's going to do in us and through us amen? amen as we're loving God as we're loving people and as we're serving the world it's just been absolutely incredible to see people pull together and people just get excited and passionate about serving God and about doing great things uh, in our church and about doing great things in their lives. I'm hearing so many stories and testimonies of the goodness of God and all the wonderful things that are going on. So just uh, thank you. Thank you for jumping on board. Thank you for having that servant's heart. Thank you so much for being a part of this great church. We've been in a series uh, called Now Faith Is... And uh, last week we talked about what it really means to, to trust God and to cast out fear. Because the enemy wants to come in and he wants to try to make you afraid or make you feel like that you need to be in control of this situation or that situation. And because of that, oftentimes we won't trust God or we won't obey him or we won't do what we know we need to do because we're afraid of what we might lose or we're afraid of what it might cost us. And today if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this title, Obedience is the source. Obedience is the source. You know, we're in an election year, and I was thinking about that, and thinking about how during this election that the economy is really on everyone's mind. You know, that's all we're hearing all the time is the economy, economy, and uh, you know, in the midst of uh, this candidate slamming this one and this one slamming this one, and everybody's trying to dig up dirt. But in the midst of all of that. <laughs> in the midst of all the dirt digging and all of the, the, the slamming and back and forth and back and forth, we see the economy just really, you know, that's, that's really what's on a lot of people's minds. And all of those debates and all of those blaming this one and blaming this one and all of these different arguments that have been presented, what it really all boils down to, what economics really boils down to is this word, stewardship. That's what it all boils down to. Economics boils down to the word stewardship. Now, the word stewardship, I looked it up in uh, Webster's Dictionary, and it's defined as this, the responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving. Oh, I know y'all want me to read that again. I could just tell. The responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving. In other words, I see that this is valuable and it's worth protecting, it's worth preserving, it's worth managing well and making sure that it's not uh, treated poorly or, or that it's misused or mismanaged. And how many of you want your tax dollars to be properly cared for and you don't want them to be mismanaged, right? That's what's on everybody's mind, stewardship. That's 
called stewardship. But, you know, sometimes we get to make the calls um, as a steward whenever certain things are in our realm of control. Sometimes we're the ones that get to make the good decisions and the bad decisions. So here's the deal. If good things are going on because uh, we've made the good decisions, oftentimes the bad things that are going on are because we've made poor decisions. A lot of times we're looking for someone to blame. We want to blame someone for our misfortune. We want to blame someone for, you know, why things are the way they are. When sometimes we can just simply look in the mirror and say, oh, I made some bad decisions. Holla. <laughs> You know, sometimes we just make bad decisions and we reap bad results. Sometimes we make great decisions and we reap those results. And sometimes those things are within our realm of control. Sometimes stewardship is in the realm of our control. But then there are those things in our lives that move beyond the realm of our control. There are those things that we really don't have a lot of say-so in. The things that require us to trust someone else to enable us to move forward. You know, some people realize that they can only get so far in business. And so they find a business partner. You know, maybe they only have a certain amount of skill or a certain amount of time. So they find a business partner and they hook up with someone else. And they go into business together. And they work very well together. But there's certain things that person cannot control that the other person does. You know, even when we look at financial investments and we look at, you know, managing our portfolios and planning for retirement and all these different things, we may hire someone like an Edward Jones or some type of investment firm to handle our investments and we let them have stewardship over those things. But yet those things are beyond our control. And we're like, you know more than me, you have more skill, you have more knowledge in this area. And so we trust them with those things. And I just think it's funny. I think it's funny how oftentimes in business we get that. With our money, we, we get that. In our, in, in our day-to-day lives, we get that. That there are some things we can control and some things that we can't. And the things that we can't, a lot of times we're okay with letting someone else handle it. Yeah, we want to keep tabs on it. We want to make sure they're doing it well. But we still trust them and, and we will relinquish things like that in business and with our finances. But it's just funny to me how oftentimes we have such a hard time really letting go and trusting God because we want this control. Oftentimes, you know, we have a hard time really letting go of the control issue and trusting God because there's those things that we can do well. We don't need to believe God that we can brush our teeth in the morning. Some of you might, maybe. (laughs) But we shouldn't have to, right? We shouldn't believe God. We, should, we shouldn't have to believe God that every morning we, we don't really need a whole lot of faith to you know, decide what we're going to eat for breakfast. We don't have to pray about what, if he wants us to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a ham and cheese sandwich. We don't have to think about those things because those things are within our realm of control. We can handle that stuff. And we are supposed to be good stewards over those things that we have control. But what about the things we don't? What about those things that we don't? You see, here's the thing. When we do things our way, we get our results. Mm -hmm. Preachers already preaching, going to stand up. (laughs) When we do things our way, we get our results. That's pretty simple. Even those things that are beyond our realm of control, beyond our scope of control, oftentimes we will try to control those areas of our lives 
and we will try to take control away from God instead of trusting him, instead of letting us submit to his way and do what he said to do. We want to do it our way, and then guess what? Cha-ching! You get your results. I remember when I lived in Oklahoma, I had a buddy. His name was Donnie. We used to meet for Chinese food every Tuesday. It was amazing. That has nothing to do with the point, but I just remember the Chinese food. Every Tuesday, that's what we did. And then we worked out, you know, in the mornings, and so we tried to burn it off. But Donnie was oh, just a genius with his finances. I mean, the guy was just absolutely a genius. Uh, he had worked for another guy um, repairing uh, airplane engine turbines and kind of refurbishing those. And then it hit him one day, I could be doing this a lot better on my own and making a lot more money. And so he started his own refurbishing business and ended up making tons more money than this guy. But while he was starting that business, he lived in a tiny little two-bedroom trailer that was just falling apart. And he had his wife and his kids in there, and he was building this business. And now Donnie lives in a half a million dollar home that's beautiful, that's paid for, that he built, and he does all kinds of great things for the kingdom of God. He's such an investor in the kingdom and in the church, and he's always just been someone that I looked up to because he's smart with business. And then he went and started a trucking company after that. Uh, and, and so he's, he began to run this other business, and, and now he has this trucking company. And then he got his child, who was five years old, started with this dog breeding business and selling these dogs. And these dogs were selling for like six, $700 a piece, and he would put all that money back for his son's college, teaching his son how to run a business. And now his son's 12, 13 years old, running this dog business, making thousands of dollars a year. He's investing in him. I'm like, this is a smart guy. And so I used to hang out with Donnie, and I wanted to learn from him because he knew more than I did. And on Donnie's road, there was a little gravel road going to his big, beautiful home, and there was this little house that was, uh, I don't know, probably about a mile or so away from his home. He said, Derek, you need to buy this house. He said, this house is a steal right now. Oh, and then Donnie went on to get his realtor's license because he wanted to do real estate as well. <laughs> I'm telling you, this, that, that's how success works. It doesn't just happen. <clears throat> Anyways, he didn't win the lottery. He lived in a two-bedroom trailer. That, he, he can tell you some stories for years building that business. And so he began to tell me, you really need to buy this house. He said, trust me. And here I look at how successful he's been. I look at how much I respect him. You need to buy this house. This house is selling for $65,000. And I'm telling you, you need to buy it. And here I am, youth pastor. I wasn't making a whole lot of money, but I could have probably afforded that home. And I was looking at, man, $65,000. I could, yeah, I could probably work. And I just got scared and I just was like, man, Donnie, I just, I, I can't do it. No, you need to buy this house. He would tell me every Tuesday at lunch, have you thought me anymore about buying that house? And I said, no, I just really like the flexibility of renting, and I just, I, I don't really want to do it. And I kept making excuses of why I didn't do it. And what it real, really boiled down to was that I was scared of letting go of my money. I was scared of buying a home because I grew up in a home where we always rented because we moved around so much, and I never had owned a home, and I was scared of it. And I, but yeah, I, sh I was hearing Donnie, who was very successful, and I decided not to buy it. And guess what happened with this home? The, the, the land was sitting uh, right on the edge of the Choctaw Nation, and they had a casino about five miles away. And they wanted to connect this other main road with their, to, to lead people to their casino. So they bought all of this land, and someone ended up buying that house for $65,000. It was a friend of Donnie's, another friend that actually listened to him. 
And they bought this little two-bedroom, one-bathroom house so they could tear it down and put their road in. And they paid $180,000 for this. <laughs> and it happened, like, it happened like a year or two later after the house sold. So it wasn't like it sat there forever. And I go, man, I wish I would have listened to Donnie. He knew what was going on. He told me about the, the, the Choctaw Nation wanting to bring in this road. He told me all these things, and he was trying to tell me, but I didn't listen. You see, when we do things our way, we get our results. Sometimes we miss opportunities. Sometimes we miss the blessings of God. Sometimes we miss the opportunity that he's actually opening a door for us, but we don't step out and we don't do anything and we don't trust, we don't walk in faith because we're always concerned with what if or what will I lose or what do I have to relinquish control of and give to someone else. And because of those fears and because of those doubts, we live in the realm of our results because we never learn to trust God. Because how many of you know that God's a lot smarter than Donnie and Donnie's a pretty smart guy? And, and that's what blows me away is that, yeah, it was a great business opportunity. It was a great money-making opportunity that I blew. I missed it. But at the same time, I'm sitting here thinking, how much more have we missed it in different areas of our lives because we haven't trusted God? Because we want to be in control. And he gives us our results. You see, faith opens the door to opportunity. We talked about this last week, when we align ourselves with God's truth. And not just simply our way of thinking or our way of doing things. Because you and I have our own way of thinking and that way of thinking and that way of doing things has been crafted and created based on our experiences and the way we were raised and all the different things that we've learned throughout life. And so everyone's at a different place of understanding. They all have their own different ways of thinking. But we have to release that way of thinking and align ourselves with God's way of thinking because His way of thinking is right even if my, my way is not. And my way is not better than his way. Right? This is really simple stuff. Then why is it so hard for us to do? <laughs> it is hard for us to do sometimes because we don't want to let go. And here God is trying to tell us, listen, I've got a better way, but we're so concerned with what we're going to lose that we don't step out and trust him. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, faith is the evidence, the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith, now faith is. It's that substance of those things we hope for and the evidence of those things we don't see. Sometimes we don't see it, we don't get it. We might not be able to physically put our hands on it, but God's wanting us to trust him, even though it may not be happening just the way I thought it would happen or I may not be able to actually see the change, but I've got to trust that if I align myself with him, that what he said is going to work, is going to work. Amen, somebody. You see, for us to truly walk in faith, we've got to understand that when we align ourselves with God's word, with his truth, that we open up the opportunity to walk in God's will for our lives, his desire and his plan for us. And here's the thing I want you to get. God's plan requires God's strength. If it didn't require his strength, then you could do it right? God's plan requires God's strength, but God's strength requires our obedience. Say it again. 
God's plan requires God's strength. And God's strength requires our obedience. I want to show you something here in Scripture. I want you to go on a little journey with me here this morning. Turn to the book of Numbers, chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6, I want you to see this. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Don't get nervous, it's close to the front. Numbers chapter 6 and verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When either a man or a woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite, to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. He shall drink neither vinegar made from wine nor vinegar made from similar drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice nor eat fresh grapes or, or raisins. All the days of his separation he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine from seed to skin. All the days of the vow of separation no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled which he separated himself to the Lord. He shall be holy. Then he shall let the locks of his hair of his head grow. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord he shall not go near a dead body. He shall not make himself unclean even for his father or mother for his brother or sister when they die because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation he shall be holy to the Lord. Somebody say Nazarite. You know, when we hear that word Nazarite, often we may think of someone from Nazareth. You know, that's like what we call them. Oh, they're the Nazarites. No, they weren't called Nazarites. They were called Nazarenes. But Nazarite is a vow that was taken, as we see here in Numbers chapter 6, that God gave to the children of Israel. And what God was telling them is, listen, separate yourselves if you want to take this vow. If you want to really consecrate and separate yourself to God, take this vow but you have to do these things. This is what the vow is. You can't touch the fruit of the vine. You can't touch anything dead. And you can't cut your hair. And that's part of your consecration. Now, what is up with that? Is, does God not want us to eat grapes? Well, why did you make them then, God? You know, does God not want us to cut our hair? Does he want us to all have dreadlocks and, you know, uh, be long-haired, nappy-headed people? I mean, is that God's desire? Is God wanting us just to never go to a funeral or ever get close to anything? thing dead is is that the deal what's going on with that no it wasn't the fact that these things god didn't like the reason god didn't want them to do these things when they took this vow is because it was all about one word and that one word is obedience it's what it's all about just like when you give and tithes and offerings god wants my money no he doesn't he wants your obedience as a matter of fact the bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice that means that if you try to do something that is a sacrifice that you think is going to score you some brownie points with God just because you did something, uh-uh, it don't work that way. If God didn't tell you to do it, if it's not in his word, it's just something you did because you wanted to do it. Sometimes people are looking for God to do something for them because they did something for him. They're like, okay, we're, I'm paid up, God. That's not how it works. It's obedience because obedience is a heart issue. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. It's a heart issue. Yeah, there, was a, there was a guy that was the king, first king over Israel, name of Saul. Saul went out and he went to a battle. And before he went out, 
God told him through the prophet Samuel. He said, listen, God's telling you, go out. You're going to win this victory, but you need to kill everything. Kill everything. Kill all the cattle. Kill everything. Don't leave anything alive. And he goes out there and fighting, and he's winning, and he's like, God is on our side. You know, it's all, yes, we're winning, and God is for us, and who can be against us? And then he sees those cows, and he goes, hey, sure would like to expand my cattle portfolio. Maybe thinking about moving to Wisconsin, starting a dairy farm. (laughs) He's looking at all the cows going, that looks pretty nice because cows, if you had a lot of cattle and different things, that was another way to show how wealthy you were. And then Saul got to thinking, I said, I could take some of these cows and I could make a sacrifice to God and then that way I'll keep the rest, but I'll give him the really good ones. I'll, give him, I'll even give him the best ones, and I'll just keep the leftovers. I'll keep the scraps. Yeah, that'll be good. I'll do that, and then God will God'll like me. And yeah, that's a good way to get what I want. But what did God tell him to do? Did he tell him to kill everything, or did he tell him to just take the choice ones and make sacrifice? No, he told him to kill everything. Well, he takes the choice cows, takes the best of the best, and they have a sacrifice, and they're burning the, the sacrifice, and the smoke's going up, and they're like, yes, God, smell that sacrifice, smell that roast beef. God, you know you like it, you know. Put some barbecue sauce on it, God. Come on, you know, it's great. You love that sacrifice. And God said, what are you doing? He said, do you think that the Lord delights in burnt offerings? Do you think I enjoy going, oh boy, that's good. That's a good offering right there. Ooh, man, that is a good offering. He said, I'm not asking you to sacrifice lambs and bulls and all these things because I like the way it smells or because I get happy when you do it. And I'm like, yay, they're doing a burnt offering for me. That's not what it's about. He's like, Saul, you're missing the point. And through the prophet Samuel, he tells him, he says, Obedience is better than a sacrifice. I didn't ask you to sacrifice. God wouldn't have been happy if he would have sacrificed all of them to him because that's not what he told him to do. He didn't say keep it and then bring it all in sacrifice. That's not what I told you to do. You see, if I want God's strength, if I want to walk in God's plan, if I want to walk in God's will, I've got to have his strength, but I won't be able to have his strength if I walk unaligned and out of sync with what he told me to do. I've got to walk in obedience. And that's just how it works. I've got to. I've got to align myself with his truth. I can't align myself with my own truth and my own way of thinking. Turn to the book of Judges, chapter 13. Judges chapter 13 and verse 1. We're going to talk for just a minute about one of the most famous Nazarites. And his name was Samson. Judges chapter 13 and verse 1 says, Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Now there was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren, had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now you are barren and you have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. 
Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son and no razor shall come upon his head for the child shall be a what? A Nazarite from birth. He's supposed to be a Nazarite to God from the womb and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Now, from, from the womb, Samson is supposed to be a Nazarite. He's supposed to be obedient to God. And because of his obedience and because God had called him to deliver Israel from the oppression of the Philistines, he was endued with great strength. Samson did some crazy things. I mean, he did some wild things. You can read all about it there in Judges. And you can see all the great things he did. We saw how he defeated all of these hundreds of men in, in the Philistine army all by himself. We see how he, he went and, and, and helped to deliver and to rescue Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And he was operating in great strength. He's the strong man of the Bible. And we've heard lots of stories about him. But then something happened. The same thing that we often do today. We begin to see the results from our obedience to God. We see the results from our obedience to God and we lose sight that it was our obedience to God that was the source of our success. And we begin to look at ourselves. We begin to see, oh, well, looking pretty good, Sam. And we don't think about it was our obedience that got us there in the first place. We think it was something we did. And we begin to look at ourselves as our source instead of obedience as our source. We begin to think how great we are. But listen, this is actually an attack against faith. This is actually an attack against your faith. Because we lose trust in God and we look at how great that we are. And here's what happened with Samson. Walking along the road one day, all of a sudden here comes a lion. That would freak me out. Just think about it. A lot of people jog down my street. A lot of joggers. Everybody's so healthy and jogging. And they all look so happy. And the ladies, their ponytails swap back and forth. And they have their little bottled water packs on. And they're just jogging. And then all of a sudden, a lion jumps out in front of you. We wouldn't think a whole lot about a deer jumping out in front of us. That would be fine. Oh, look at the deer. But a lion? <laughs> But Samson's like, I'm Samson, I'm strong, God's given me this strength. And so he goes over to the lion and just rips him in half. What? Yes, rips him in half. And he's like, that was pretty cool. I'm strong, looking at his muscles. And then guess what he does? He, he said, I'm going to go back to that lion. And he finds out that some bees started making a, a, a honeycomb inside of that carcass. Gross. But he decides to reach in there and, and to get some of it just because he thinks he's so awesome. But what did he do? He just touched something dead. He just got near this dead thing. He's beginning to compromise his vow. He knew he was a Nazarite from the womb. He disobeyed but didn't affect him. And then he goes to this wedding party. And he starts hooking up with all these ladies. And he gets a little tipsy. And he starts drinking. And he gets drunk. And he had violated another one of his vows. He had now drank wine. And, but yet he's still strong. So he's beginning to think, hey, it's me. And then this pretty little thing called Delilah comes up and bats her eyes at him. 
says, hey, Sammy, you sure looking good. He says, yeah. Hey, baby. That's how I got my wife. You know it. <laughs> Threw out a good one-liner at her, and next thing you know, he's with Delilah. But Delilah, she's really a spy, and she's really got another agenda. She wants to find out why Samson's so strong, because the Philistines, they've, they've been defeated, and, and he's starting to help bring deliverance for the people of Israel, and she's sitting there by the Philistines to seduce them and said, hey, Samson, what's the source of your strength? And he says, oh, if you tie my hair into braids, I'll be as weak as any other man. He just wanted to show her how big and bad he is. And so in the middle of the night, somebody braids his hair. I don't know how you do that in the middle of the night. The guy must have really been passed out, must have had a hard day of work, been sleeping hard. I just don't see how you could braid somebody's hair in their sleep. But it, but it happened. And then all of a sudden Delilah said, Samson, Samson, wake up, wake up. The Philistines are here. They're all... And he gets up and he whoops them. He just smacks them. Ha, 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 I got them. <laughs> you guys thought I was going to be weak. <laughs> Braiding my hair. And she says, you tricked me. And then they go through this again. He tells her another way and... They bind him with cords, and he breaks through, beats him again. You think he would have figured it out by now that this chick is not good? But he's so focused, listen, he's so focused on the success being from him that he begins to forget that the source of his strength was not his hair. It was not the fact that he didn't touch the wine. It wasn't the fact that he didn't touch the dead carcass. It was because he was obedient to God and he was able to operate in the anointing and strength that God had given him to help bring deliverance to the, to the Israels from the Philistines because of his obedience. And he's violated two of the three of the Nazarite vow. And then he finally breaks down after the Bible says she starts nagging him, which... I'm going to leave that alone. And he finally broke down. And he said, if you cut my hair, I'll be as weak as any other man. You know, a lot of people try to say that Samson's strength was in his hair. The Bible never said that. You see, this is, I really believe that Samson's source of strength was not his hair. I believe it was his obedience to God. I don't think, you, because if it would have been his hair, then they could have sold that stuff in locks and little kids would be running around lifting up goats and cows and stuff. And That's not how it worked. It wasn't some kind of magic, hocus-pocus stuff. It was his obedience to God that enabled him. And now he had violated every vow. And then they jumped on him, and the Bible says this, and it's so sad. The Bible says that he got up and thought he would just defeat them just as he did before. He didn't realize the strength had left him. Why would you not realize the strength had left you? Because you thought it was all about you. You thought the success, you thought the good things going on was all because of you, and you didn't even realize that God wasn't in that. And then you try to step out there and do it, and I'm just going to go do it just like I did before. And then all of a sudden everything starts falling apart. They jumped on Samson, they beat him up, they tied him, they gouged his eyes out, and now he's blind, he's broken, and he's weak, and he's just like any other man. Why? 
Because God didn't like him anymore? No, because he was disobedient and he chose not to align himself with God and he thought it was in his strength that he was accomplishing all of this. Are you getting this? Is this making any sense? You see, our source of victory and our source of strength is obedience. Our source of victory, our source of strength is obedience. Samson's hair wasn't the source, it was his vow, it was his obedience. Our level of obedience to God reveals our trust and our faith in God. I want you to catch this. Our level of obedience to God reveals our trust and our faith in God. And the degree of submission to that authority is in direct proportion to the level of authority that you walk in as a believer. Okay, I'll say it again. Our level of obedience to God reveals our trust and our faith in God and the degree of submission and authority that we walk in, that we choose to submit to God's word and align ourselves with him, the degree of authority that, and submission that we walk in is in direct proportion to the level of authority that you and I walk in. You see, if we submit to God, the Bible says submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. We just want to resist the devil and make him go away, but we don't want to submit to God. You see, that's submitting to his word. And because I do that, because I position myself in that way, it enables me or empowers me to be able to do things that I can't do, that only God can do, that he wants to do in me and through me. You know, a lot of times we, we see all these things that are in the word of God that we just want to make happen or that we want to see happen or that we think because God wants it for us, we're going to go out there and try to make it happen. And then we sometimes are left empty-handed and we go, God, I thought that your word says this and this and this. Yes, but you miss the part where you have to trust and obey, where you have to submit to his truth to position yourself to walk in the authority that God has given you. Just like a police officer, police officer is, cannot operate in his own authority. Won't happen. He tries to pull you over. I'll pull you over in the name of Fred. And Fred's going to write you a ticket because Fred thought you was going too fast. You're going to get laughed at. But because they've been given authority by the state, by the laws of the land, it's not their authority. It's someone else's authority that they've been given. Now, as long as they submit and follow that authority, they're going to be able to walk in that authority. If a police officer decides to violate the authority that he's been given, he's going to lose that authority. And a lot of times we don't get that as believers. We don't get that as Christians, that our source of victory is obedience. It's submitting to God and trusting Him. It's not that God's trying to take everything away from us or that God doesn't want us to have anything. Matter of fact, it's the exact opposite. His plans are better than our plans. His thoughts for us are better than our thoughts. We've got our own idea and our own, our own picture that we've painted for ourselves and that the world has helped paint for us and media has helped paint for us of what success is. And so time, sometimes we chase those images and we chase those things. And oftentimes when people obtain those things, they find out that's really not where that feeling of completion and that true happiness and joy was, right? 
You ever watch an old rock and roll documentary or something? You find these guys are miserable. They drowned all of their pain in drugs and alcohol and sleeping around trying to find where happiness is at and they can't find it because it's not in stuff. It's in Christ alone, amen? It's in Christ alone that our true source of peace, that our true source of joy, our true source of victory. But for us to walk in those things, it's going to take more than us just coming to church. I said it's going to take more than us just coming to church. It's going to take more than us just saying a prayer. It's going to take more than us just taking communion, which we're going to do here in just a minute. It's going to take more than us singing some worship songs. It's going to take us trusting Him and submitting to His truth and obeying what He says. When I like it and when I don't. Right? When it's easy and I can go, woo! And when I go, oh, oh. When it's easy and when it's not. Because our source of victory is obedience. So let me ask you these questions. Are you tired of fighting the same old battles in your mind? Same old battle in your finances? Same old battles with your emotions? Same old battles with your boss and your job? Same old battles with your spouse? Same old battles with your kids? Are you tired of fighting those battles over and over and over again and it seems there's no way out and you just hope that something just changes or that all of a sudden someone has an epiphany and goes, oh, I should treat my spouse better. Oh, I should discipline my children. Oh, I should begin to manage my finances better. Oh, I just had an epiphany. It's like lightning. It struck my brain. It's not going to happen like that where it's all just an epiphany and everything just instantly changes. You've got to obey and trust that that obedience is going to line you up with God's promises and what God has for you and His will. Amen? You see, obedience is our stewardship of truth and, and, and our stewardship of our faith and action. Our obedience is our stewardship of truth. We talked about the reason that the economy is in the shape it's in is because of poor stewardship. Oftentimes we can say the same things about our stewardship of the truth. God wants us to not only be good stewards of our relationships, good stewards of our finances, because when we hear the word stewardship, we automatically think about those things God wants us to be good stewards of the truth. What was that definition of stewardship earlier? We said that that word means responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving. I believe that God's truth and his word is worth caring for and preserving in my life and in your life and in our city and in our county and our state. Amen? At Word of Grace, I believe His Word is worth caring for and preserving. And so you and I are stewards now of what you just heard. So that means you are now accountable and you are now responsible for the truth that you just heard. Gotcha. <laughs> you heard the truth. And to walk away and ignore it would be to 
show poor stewardship of the truth would be to show poor stewardship of what you know is right. To walk away from the changes that God's word and his truth is telling you to make in your life, to do that, to walk away from it, to blatantly walk away from the truth is poor stewardship. It's poor stewardship. And then we wonder why things get chaotic. We wonder why things aren't working out. We wonder why things are falling apart. It's because we haven't been good stewards of the truth by obeying him and trusting that it's going to work. Amen? I want to read you one more passage of Scripture before we wrap things up this morning. In the book of Matthew 25, in verse 14, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. And then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. Likewise, he who had received two gained one, two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord came to those servants, and he settled accounts with them. And he went to the one who received five talents and brought five other talents back with it, saying, Lord... You have delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. The Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your rest. He also had, he who also had received two talents came to the Lord and said, Lord, you delivered two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here, take back what's yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it, to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has more, for, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want to ask you this morning, what are you doing with what you've been given? What are you doing with what you have been given? You ever get to the point where you've told someone the truth and you've told them the truth and you've told them the truth and they haven't applied the truth and they're still reaping the same results, blaming everybody else, wondering why things aren't happening in their lives. And you're like, if you would just do this, I'm telling you, if you would just do this. It's about being a steward of the truth. Obedience is our stewardship of truth. And it's our faith in action. It's us taking what we've been given and doing something with it. Because when we align ourselves with that obedience, it opens up the windows of heaven and God can begin to move in our lives and in our situations. So no matter what you're facing, that means there's hope. 
There's hope, no matter how dark it may seem, no matter how far you may think that you have gone, because all it takes is you trusting God and obeying His truth. It may be outside of what's comfortable for you. It may be outside of easy. But if you obey truth and align yourself with God's Word, you have faith in Him, I promise you, He will come through for you. So let me ask, what are you doing with the truth? that you've been given? What are you doing with the finances that you have? What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with the opportunity to submit to the truth and trust God? I want to read you one more scripture here. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14, the Bible says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have the petitions that we have asked of him. The one thing that a lot of times we miss there as believers is the according to his will. We can ask God, but we must ask according to his will. What does that mean? That means according to what he has already said and established in his word. His word is his will. You can know the will of God. It is right here. It is His Word. It's His truth. It's what you've been hearing today. But what you do with it, how you choose to steward that truth, is solely up to you. It's solely up to you. It's a decision that you make. I can't make it for you. Pastor Mike can't make it for you. Pastor Keith can't make it for you. Only you can make that decision to obey the Lord and to trust Him. So let's begin by stepping out in faith and asking God according to His will, His Word, and obey His Word because he's a, he's a good and faithful steward over our lives. Amen? So I want to ask you, will you trust Him today? Would you bow your heads this morning? It's time to stop blaming God and time to start trusting. It's time to stop blaming others. It's time to stop blaming yourself. It's time to stop the blame game and it's time to step up and start trusting and submitting your life to what God said. What did he say? Is my life out of line? Is this area in my life out of line with this truth? Now faith is that trust, that substance of those things that are hoped for. It's the evidence of those things that are not seen. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're in this place today and you say, I need to trust Jesus for the first time in my life. I've never made a commitment to him. I've never trusted in him before, but I'm ready to do that today. I heard the truth and I'm ready to respond to it. If that's you, I just want you to put your hand up and put it back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know you're here. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else in this place? If you're here and you say, Pastor Derek, I've I've committed my life to Christ before, but I want to renew that commitment. I want to make sure that I know where I'm going and that I truly am committed to Christ and I want to make a fresh commitment. Is there anybody like that in this place? Would you just lift your hand? Let me know that you're here and put it back down. I see those hands. Hands all over this room. You can put them back down. Church, would you help me by saying this prayer with me this morning? Say, Jesus, I want to trust you with everything in my heart and I want to give my life to you because you gave your life for me I want to submit to your truth 
and follow your word. Not my will, but your will. I confess you as my Lord, and I confess you as my Savior, and I say that what you did on the cross was good enough to cleanse me and make me right with God. And I trust in that. And I trust in your word. And I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you said that prayer, we want you to let us know. Would you please email us or call us? There's information on your bulletin. Or after the service, we're going to have folks up here praying for you. Uh, If you have any need in this place, whether it's physical, financial, emotional, whatever's going on, we want to be here for you because we do love you and we do care about you and we want to agree with you and pray for you. And if you're here today and you said that prayer of salvation or recommitted yourself to the Lord, let one of these people know because we want to connect you with resources that we have and we want to connect you with the next steps that you need to take in your journey as a believer. Or maybe you've been a believer and you just still need some, some next steps to take to help strengthen your walk with God. We want to help you do that. So please take advantage of that. This morning we're going to take communion. And... Uh...